12 years ago, my family and I lived in Houston, Texas. And, all right, somebody's from Houston. And uh, didn't expect that reaction, to be honest with you. So it was 12 years ago, and my son today, uh, well, he's 18 years old, not today, but he, you know what I mean. He was six years old at the time, and I had one of the scariest moments that if you're a parent and you've experienced it, you will know what I mean. I had my son, and I was shopping. And dads, you will appreciate this. I don't remember what specific store we were in, but it was a store geared towards dad, and it captured my attention. It was probably a sporting goods store or something like that. And Caden, six-year-old son, you know, he was, he was around somewhere here, and I was shopping. And then the next thing I know, I looked, and my son was nowhere to be found. How many of you as a parent, come on, you'll admit you've had that moment. And your heart drops from here, and it just goes on the floor, and there is panic. And that is what happened to me. And I was scurrying all through the store and checking around aisles, and Caden was nowhere to be found. And in a panic, I ran out the front of the store, and there on one of the architectural pillars on the ground, my son was sitting with his legs crossed and his hands like this, the saddest looking face you will ever find. Everybody go, oh. I mean, it was sad. And I, I, he saw me, we made eye contact, he stood up and I bent down and I grabbed him and I wrapped my arms around him and his tears got watery because all of a sudden he realized, okay, dad's here. And I found myself going, Caden, I'm here. Dad would never leave you. It's okay. How many of you know? You're just comforting your son. And it was, it was a Holy Spirit moment because I found myself consoling my son going, dad would never leave you. Dad would never walk out on you. And it was like in that moment, the heavenly father was reminding me and speaking to me that in the same way in which my son had thought that I had bailed and deserted him, at times we think that of the Lord. But in reality, the father never leaves us. So today as we go to Genesis chapter 39, there is a theme that resonates throughout this chapter. And there are five words that repeats throughout this beginning part of Joseph's story in the land of Egypt. And those five words are for him, and they are for us today, the Lord was with Joseph. In fact, the consistent message throughout all of the Bible is that the Lord is with his people. God is always there from Genesis through Revelation and with us today. God will declare to his people, I am with you. To Joshua, if we look, if we go back and, and we look throughout the Bible, Joshua said this, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God, he says to Joshua, is with you wherever that you go. Even the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah heard from God and God told him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Isaiah, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Even the psalmist 
David understands. He said, when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are close to me. The Lord is close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and your comfort me. As we move into the New Testament, we understand that God sent his son to be, what is the name? He sent his son to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. The very name of Jesus conveys that God is with us. And then Jesus, right after we shared this in the Great Commission a, couple, a few weeks ago, right after the Great Commission, Jesus continues and says, teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Jesus says to his disciples, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It even gets passed down to the apostle Paul. Paul writes and says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Paul says not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. From the beginning to the end, scripture reminds God's people that the Lord will always be with them. And that message, I believe, God would say to us today, and it's God's word, that for those who feel as though God is nowhere nearby, for those that are here that think that they've been abandoned by God, you may be here and have determined in your own heart that God has deserted you or walked out of the store. In the same words that God said to Joseph, I believe he would say to you today, the Lord is with you. Let's pray. The reality is, Father, we forget that. We forget that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you never desert us. Your head never turns the other way. Your eyes are always upon us and you are walking with us. I believe that there are some here today, there are some that are watching online, maybe some even at Fellowship 412, that have dragged themselves into this service. And the reality is, their mind questions whether you are even in the room. And my prayer today is that the power of your presence would flood their heart and mind. And whether they see it or whether they feel it, your Holy Spirit would give them an assurance that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Let that be the case. In your name, everyone said, amen. amen. Last week, we began this journey with Joseph in, in Genesis chapter 38. We looked at the story of Joseph being betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery. And so now Joseph is, we're gonna look at today, is carted off to the land of Egypt. And this week two of this journeys with Joseph is gonna look at how does Joseph's life in slavery in Egypt begin? Well, let's see how that plays out. Let's look together. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 39, hopefully you read this chapter. Of course, it'll be on the TV and the screen. The Bible says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt, 
by the Ishmaelite traders. He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. And Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. I love that verse. Here we are introduced that Joseph is hauled off to Egypt and Potiphar, one of the officers in Pharaoh's army, and you probably understand that Pharaoh was king of Egypt. He was the most powerful man in all of Egypt and Potiphar would have been pretty powerful as well. So Potiphar is the one who buys the 17-year-old boy. And right then and there, the author of Genesis, which is Moses, lets us know this, that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, if you look at your Bibles and look at them, or whether it's on your phone or wherever it's at, I want you to verify that what I'm saying is true. In your Bibles, the word Lord is capitalized. How many of you see that? Okay, you look there. The Lord is capitalized. There's a reason for that. Whenever the word Lord in your Bible is capitalized, that means that the word that is being used there in Hebrew in the Old Testament is Yahweh or Jehovah. And this is significant for us because when the Lord is referred to as Yahweh or Jehovah, it is referring to the personal and the relational side of God. In the first chapter of Genesis, the Lord is also capitalized, but it's referred to as Elohim. And Elohim means creator and authority of all, which are both true. But in this chapter, Moses is signifying and saying, this isn't just Elohim creator and all-powerful God that's with Joseph. He's with them. But the author, Moses, wants us to know that it is this covenantal relationship, this Yahweh God that is with Joseph. This word is used over 6,000 times throughout the Bible. And again, it conveys the personal relational side that God has invested in his people. You see, Joseph was son of the covenant and the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the very same promises that were made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were made to Joseph. And so by saying that this covenant God was with Joseph, Moses and Joseph would have understood that those same covenant promises that were made to his forefathers, God is saying those promises are still good for today, that I will be with you. I will make you into a great nation, that you and your descendants will be made in the great nation, and one day you will possess the land of Canaan, and the people who bless you will be blessed, and the people who curse you will be cursed. You see, God promised to make the Israelites' name great and to bless those who bless them and to curse those who curse them. This was the Lord Jehovah, the same God that was with Joseph. So there's three things that as we look through this chapter that Joseph experienced when it comes to God's presence. And the same is true for us today. And the first one is that the Lord Jehovah, this personal covenantal God, he is with us 
in times of captivity. Not only was he with Joseph as a slave in Egypt in Potiphar's house, but God is with us in seasons where we feel we are captive. Not only was with the Lord was with Joseph, do you remember what the second half of that verse said? It said that the Lord was with Joseph, so because the Lord was with him, he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Joseph succeeded because the Lord was with him. And don't miss this. The Bible says that Potiphar was the one who saw that the Lord was with him. Understand, Potiphar did not serve Yahweh. The name Potiphar means son of the sun god. Okay, Potiphar wasn't a believer. He wasn't a follower of this Hebrew God. But yet, Potiphar saw in Joseph's life that God was with him. Joseph's faith led Potiphar and his entire house to be blessed. And living by faith for you and I means knowing and understanding that the Lord is always with us, even in seasons of captivity. And that should empower us. It should empower us to know that if we feel captivated by fear or loneliness, that God is with us. Think of this when it comes to Joseph. Joseph was raised as a Hebrew boy. He didn't speak the Egyptian language. You ever thought of that? I mean, here he was shipped off to an entirely new culture, an entirely new language, an entirely new worldview and way of thinking. And for Joseph to succeed in Potiphar's house, he would have had to learn the language. He would have had to learn what it was acceptable there and the way of life. And he thrived in the midst of that because he knew that the Lord was with him. And this should challenge you and I for whatever season we are in and wherever we may be currently planted, that we know that God is with us and because he's with us, we can thrive and succeed and others will see that and know that God is with us. However, just because the Lord was with him and Joseph was succeeding didn't mean that he wasn't without trouble. Because just when things seem to be going well, you probably know the story, this happens. And this is one of the great verses and stories of the Bible. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? And then Joseph says this, it would be a great sin against God. Now imagine this scenario. Joseph is shipped off in slavery. He's in Potiphar's, Potiphar's house. He's been given all authority. He's thriving. He's succeeding. Pharaoh sees that he's blessed and God is with him. And here Potiphar's wife comes. I mean, can you imagine the temptation of this teenage boy? You would have to imagine that Potiphar's wife was probably an attractive woman. Here's a young man. The temptation is real. The struggle would have been real. 
And Egypt was a pagan society. So it's not like they were living by God's moral code or moral authority. And you have to imagine that as a young teenage boy, just human nature, Joseph would have thought, I mean, would anybody really know? Would anybody really fault me? I deserve this. When in Rome, be Roman. But Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph first says, I won't because it would be a a sin against my master. But then he comes back and he ends knowing that God is with him. He says it would be a sin against God. Because Joseph knew that the Lord was there and the Lord was with him, that God would be watching. The fact that the Lord is always with us means that God is always watching. And sometimes when temptation comes, we have the same temptation or thoughts that probably Joseph did. Well, I deserve it. No one will ever know. While I'm here, but God would say, as he did to Joseph to us today, that the Lord is there and the Lord is watching. You see, the Lord is with us when we are tempted. The Lord is with us in seasons of temptation. And living by faith, being people of faith, it means knowing and understanding that the Lord always sees our sin. How many understand, though, that sometimes doing the right thing and making the right decision doesn't always lead to the right results? Joseph did nothing wrong in this circumstance. He did everything right. But yet, here's what happens. The Bible says Potiphar finds out. You probably know the story that Potiphar's wife sets Joseph up. She makes a false accusation, and Potiphar takes Joseph And he throws him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord again, the Lord was with Joseph in prison. And he showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Now I have to wonder as I look at this. If Potiphar really believed that Joseph did what his wife said she did. I mean, if you think about it, if a slave had really slept with Potiphar's wife, do you think he would have been left alive? Probably not. So I have to wonder and, and, and think that Potiphar, uh, is, it, is it true? But he cast, Potiphar, or he cast Joseph in prison, but God was with him there. And it's interesting that there's two people in the Old Testament that the Bible doesn't record any record of sin. One is Joseph, the other is Daniel. Now hear me, it doesn't mean they didn't sin. All of us have sinned, and that's our human nature. But the Bible doesn't record it. And remember, too, that a young boy, Joseph would have remembered the dreams that God had given him. Remember, we talked about it last week. God had given Joseph dreams that those grains, bales of hay, would grain would bow down. The sun, moon, and stars would bow down. Imagine being elevated up in Potiphar's house. God giving you grace to succeed. You being falsely accused, making the right decision in a tough moment, and you find yourself back in jail going, God, where are you? But Joseph knew that God was with him. In reality, Joseph spent 11 years in captivity. 
wondering if those very dreams were true. Yet God was working in him. God was with him, working out his plan and his purpose. And that's the message for you and I today, that in seasons of captivity, that in times of temptation, that when we are treated unjustly or unfairly, God is with us. And God is always watching. And God is using and working those circumstances out for our good. Had Joseph never gone to Egypt, had Joseph never elevated into a position of influence, years later when famine comes and the Israelites are on the verge of being wiped out, it would be Joseph that would save those people. God worked those things together for good. And in seasons in our life when we are held captive, in seasons in our life when we are tempted, in seasons in our life when we are treated unfairly or unjustly, or when we are misunderstood, the Lord wants us to know that he is with us and that he is working those things out together for good. There's a verse that we often quote that says that in Romans. I want to remind you of that today. Paul writes in the book of Romans, it's the Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God uses and he works those seasons of captivity. God uses those seasons when we are tempted. And God even uses the seasons where we are treated unfairly or unjustly to bring about his purpose. If you feel as though you're living as a prisoner in captivity, the Lord would say to you that I am with you. If you're here today and you're in a season of temptation, God would remind you by saying, I am with you. If you're here today and you've been unjustly treated or misunderstood, God would remind you I am with you. And if you're here and you felt like my son did 12 years ago, sitting alone outside the store and you think God has turned the other way and walked away, the Father would have you know that he's with you. Would you bow your head? Lord, this is a very simple message. The fact that you are with us. But as I prayed at the beginning, it is one we often forget. We forget it in season where, seasons where we feel alone. When we feel betrayed. When we feel like we are in a prison. We forget that you are there with us. We also forget when temptation comes. 
and we give in to flesh, maybe we justify it by saying, I deserve it, or no one will see. Would your spirit convict us tonight and remember, help us remember that you see because you are with us. And Lord, in times where we're falsely accused, we're misunderstood, where we make the right decisions and do all of the right things only to have all the wrong things happen, that you're still with us. So my prayer is that, as we just read in that verse, that your Holy Spirit would pray for those with those groanings that Paul writes about, those words that only the Father understands. Would you pray for those who are in one of those three camps today? Those who may be watching online and feel trapped or isolated, that you are deserted. Maybe there is someone watching or here that is about ready to step away from the faith because they think you've just disappeared. Would you be so very present in them and remind them that you are the God with us? Amen.